Welcome Generation STEM friends and listeners. It's our 10th episode. Yes, I'm noting this mini milestone, especially as I look back at the interesting roster of guests we've had. From STEM educators to graduate students to corporate leaders, and yes, our very own aspiring Arab woman astronaut. Today, we're speaking to someone from a business background. How that links him to STEM is something we will find out as we hear the story of the co-founder of El Sadim Astronomy, a space observatory situated in the idyllic desert of Abu Dhabi. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming to STEMcast, Mr. Thabit al Ghaisiya. Thabit, welcome to the STEMcast podcast. I'm very happy to have you today. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to talk to you guys about uh, science and space in general. Likewise, I'm looking forward to you know what you have to say. So we're going to jump right in. Uh, I know that your background is in business, right? Correct. And so after that, you went on to work in investments and as an economic and political analyst. Correct. Uh, were you able to tell us about your early years before Sadiq? So before it's Sadim, it was, um, like you mentioned, uh, I started off my, my uh, sort of professional career in uh, an investment company in Abu Dhabi, which exposed me to various sectors of the, of the economy. And uh, I spent about five years over there. Um, started out with real estate and then moved to various aspects of investments. Um, and then uh, around 2011, I joined... Um, uh, a think tank in Abu Dhabi uh, where I focused more on sort of political and economic uh, analysis. Um, and it was also exciting. Um, uh, but then in 2015, um, I, uh, well, my younger brother passed away and I figured I need to focus more on the family business. And for about a year and a half, uh, afterwards. That's what my main focus was um, at the time of, well, right before I moved from sort of the, the, the quote-unquote corporate world to, to the more private world. Um, that's where the idea of a Sadim came, came around through, uh, through uh, someone who eventually became, became a friend, Andy Palado. Um, and he's actually the guy that gave me the idea for the, for the observatory. Um, uh, and sort of that's how it slowly transitioned into, into, into um, the observatory. Yeah, that's great. Firstly, uh, you know, I'm sorry to hear about your brother. And, uh, you know, sometimes when, when things like this come, you know, happen to us on a personal level, we kind of rethink our direction in life, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So... Would you say that you've always been a space enthusiast? Totally, totally. And I think we all are, whether we know it or not. Um, you know, anybody that spent uh, five minutes in a dark spot will look up at night and, and, and wonder how many stars there are. Um, and I think that's how it started out with me as a kid. Um, I've always, always enjoyed... Uh, space documentaries and uh, space movies and uh, you know a lot of these things that are related uh, related to space um 
but never did I expect I would be uh, this this deep into into space uh, space as I am right now. Yeah. So I mean, it's not every day that I get to ask this question, so I'm going to ask it. How does one put up a space observatory? Like, what what was the challenge like? Uh, well, for us, it was you know not having a blueprint. Uh, usually, when you want to, for example, build a house, you can visit a few houses, um, get ideas from showrooms, uh, etc. Um, everything we did, I was blessed to have to have a very good uh, sort of team behind me that 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 gave me the right um, the right advice on you know how to build it, where to buy the the equipment, so on and so forth. Um, but it took us, you know, the, the the first time I got the idea, the first time I, I I thought of getting a telescope was the winter of 2015, and that was through through Andy Paledo, who's um, who, you know became obviously a friend, and he's sort of the the director of the observatory as well. Um, but you know, I thought I thought it would be something something small uh, until I sort of the business side of me kicked in, and I and I decided to um, to do more investigation uh, on 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 sort of a business model uh, about it, and then I um, you know it was just just a lot of guessing here and there at the the beginning. Um, so between between the initial idea uh, coming about and then the day we opened was uh, about a year and a half of planning and, 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 uh, and you know deciding where to buy things and where not to buy things. Um, so it took it took a while, um, and obviously right now if I'm if I'm if I'm to do another observatory, I can do it much easier, much faster with far less mistakes as the one existing right now. Yeah, it's always, you know, our first endeavors are always the most costly, not just in terms of, you know, financially costly, but also in terms of human mistakes and errors. So totally. you touched on this um, a little bit, but I want to dive a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. How did your background on entrepreneurship really kind of shape your mindset about taking this on as a potential business opportunity? Even? So from the start, um, in any in any sort of business venture uh, anyone wants to get into, the first question is if you have the idea and the sort of the resources, etc. Is how do you make it sustainable, right? Um, and that was that was the the, the trickiest part about about Al Sadim is how to um, keep it sustainable. Um, so you know when you do when you start the business, you have the investment, you have the operation cost, etc. And in fact, there are all these different variables in and you know how you determine your prices so you make you make money whether um, to break even or or to make a profit um, but from the start one of the first things that I, I i decided would be would be probably best for for sustainability is to remove the initial investment from from my sort of financial books um, uh, there was no way I can recuperate the the the, the money invested um, in the traditional sense. Um, so so the only or the main variable that I had to I had to keep an eye on uh, is the operation cost, uh, the cost that would keep that keeps the the observatory running, and in that sense in that sense we're making a profit. 
you know, um, only if I remove the, 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 the initial investment. And so this, this sort of the, the business background that, that, that I, I have sort of helped me out in this, in this regard. Um, but the indirect sort of benefit or, you know, between quotes revenue um, is the other uh, opportunities that the observatory uh, gave me, other business opportunities. Um, which, uh, which, you know, some were great and some uh, were a learning experience. Um, so, so that's where, that's where sort of the, the, the business side of me uh, really helped me. Nice. So what would you say are the goals of the observatory and where do you see it heading as more countries are, you know, joining the space race? I mean, you know, you're from the United Arab Emirates, certainly the UAE is, is taking quite a stride um, on this ground. So with the observatory, so as of now, we, we our two main um, sort of um, uh, fields of focus are public outreach, um, either uh, with uh, guests coming over to the observatory or us participating in, in events. Um, and the more um, or equally interesting and, and rewarding is the research projects that, uh, that we do. Um, so in March 2017, um, uh, an astronomer, uh, Aldrin, uh, joined, uh, joined our team. And, um, and you know, with, with, with him on board, he has the sort of the, 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 the technical know-how uh, and the scientific know-how on, on the astronomy side. And this, what this allows us is it gives the guests or the people we interact with um, a unique experience with someone who, ha who, has, who has a degree in this uh, in astronomy. Um, but also because of our you know, location in a dark spot, it, uh, it, it gave us, it gave us the, an edge over other places for universities like New York University Abu Dhabi to um, to collaborate with us uh, for 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 research projects, um, you know one of the projects that we've been working with them on is a a, a black hole system um, where we provide them with uh, optical data or, or the images from our observatory, um, and that that allows us to obviously uh, interact with um, top top notch uh, professionals. Um, it teaches us a lot, obviously, and it gives them the opportunity to have an observatory that would give them um, the data that they need for their for their research. So this is where where the two main uh, areas we 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 focus on. Um, you know, going going forward, one of the things I would like to do is sort of expand this cooperation with other um, institutes or or universities in the in the in the region. Um, where where we can we can um, whether collaborate on on public outreach or in in, uh, in research, um, and we've you know we've we've done we've done well the past uh, few years in positioning ourselves as a as a as a research facility as well. Um, I think we are one of two um, um, observatories in the region that has an official code by the by one of the largest astronomical associations in the world. Um, and that gives that gives the observatory a lot of credibility in terms of the data we provide. 
Um, so, 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 so we have, we have, we have these things that we're focusing on and obviously the other thing, the other opportunities that might uh, arise in, um, in more, more of the investment side of, uh, of astronomy. Um, and again, because of our, uh, how we positioned ourselves, um, it gives us an edge over other, uh, other places. That sounds really interesting. Uh, just, you know, in terms of the, the scope and depth of, of what you're doing and the opportunities that lie ahead. So if I were to ask about the crowds that come to the observatory, are they uh, hobbyists, enthusiasts? Do you see any kids, young people? What's, you know, what's the crowd like? You pick a crowd and age group and background and we've seen it. Wow. Literally. literally. Um, it's, 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 it's really nice. Um, um, last November, between September and November, we had about, no, sorry, from between September, mid-September, almost to maybe mid-January, we had a total of around 800 school kids uh, come to the, to the, to the observatory uh, with, uh, with, their, with their school. Um, we uh, generally how we do it is we have we have two weeks almost two weeks a month where we allow uh, uh, visits um, and they're usually during the, the the bright phase of the moon um, in that in that uh, particular month um, this this way it allows us when the moon is not so bright we can conduct our our research but but you know I mean look space will get anybody and everybody curious um and that's you know that's how i first got into it and and it would get anybody uh in, when was it july 27th i believe or 28th of 2018 when the lunar eclipse uh, happened and it was one of the largest in the century and we happened to be in one of the best locations in the world for, to uh, to view it um that was one of the highlights in, 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 the, in the observatory's life um, for two reasons. Uh, first reason, we, we gave a live feed uh, of the entire eclipse to NASA TV. Um, and more, more, more importantly, that day, you know, July's, July is not the best uh, month in terms of weather. Uh, it's very hot, it's very humid. Um, but for that event, we had about 500 people uh, show up um, from you know different age groups, different walks of life, and you know the one thing that uh, that uh, that connected them over there is the the space and the eclipse. So so we've been we've been we've been lucky in, in that in that respect in, in, in you know uh, attracting different people. Nice. So from a personal standpoint, right, what's the most fascinating thing about looking out into deep space? Ooh, it's, not, it's not an easy question because almost every time I image, um, even if it's the same object, I see something new. Uh, just because maybe the quality of the image this time is better than the previous time. Um, but you know, one of the things that 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 really um, amazes me, uh, and every time I read I read on it, it amazes me as if it's the first time, is the fact that everything I image is technically years in the past. 
because that's how far that object is. And that's for that for me is one of the most amazing amazing things um, that 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 uh, that I came to realize through through all this. Um, but more on the visual side, away from the imaging, one of the most amazing things for me is, is you know you start you start sort of forming a relationship with the stars. Um, I remember last Friday was the first time I see Orion. Uh, the constellation Orion um, since what maybe March I think or April, and it felt like you know meeting an old friend, um, and you know it becomes it becomes something very familiar. You know when you, when you see something very familiar and it sort of puts a smile on your face, uh, that's exactly how uh, how uh, how I feel. That's beautifully put, and I think it put a smile on my face. It's just like you know, <laughs> it's something that I want to see. Uh, <laughs> so, can you take us to what your eyes would see, like your most unforgettable encounters with space phenomena to date? What would that be? The first time I saw um, Saturn through a telescope—that's uh, something I'd never forget. Um, because the first time I saw it, it was a very small telescope and I didn't even think I could see anything. And, uh, you know, the moment I, I pointed, and well, it took me a while to figure out how to point the telescope at first. And um, when, I, uh, when I first saw the rings of Saturn, um, it's, it's something that, will, you know, you'll never forget. You'll never forget. It's, it's, it's one of the most amazing things I've seen in my life. You know, most people think that they need a really expensive telescope to enjoy astronomy. Um, what do you say to those people? Absolutely not. Um, you don't need a telescope to enjoy astronomy. That's, that's the beauty of astronomy. Now, um, I know in our region, we have a lot of talented photographers. And I always tell them, you know, with a regular camera, point, point it to the sky, and chances are you'll see something interesting. Um, uh, you know, most of my images that I post on my, on my social media are taken with um, either a regular lens or, or, or a mini scope. Um, uh, so it can, it, can, it can be a very, very simple hobby. Uh, um, of course, you know, it's an addictive hobby, just like, you know, what happened with me. Um, and eventually you would want to sort of um, go one step above um, and that's completely normal. Um, but to start off, you absolutely don't need any expensive uh, equipment. Um, you know, once people want to go deeper, you know, you can, you can, um, you can buy an entire setup uh, or you can buy um, a simple camera tracker uh, to track the sky as Earth rotates. And just use your camera, um, or you know you can get uh, there's a there's a really fantastic uh, uh, smart telescope called Stellina that does all the headache for you basically and gives you excellent images. Um, so then you know afterwards it becomes you know as as far as you want to go. I'm curious, how would you? describe astronomy to a young person, say a child? A child? Yeah, a child. 
I think the best way I can describe astronomy to a child would be if you want to live a real fantasy, you get into astronomy because it's real, right? And as children, we all love fantasies and fairy tales or, you know, whatever it is. Um, uh, the fantasy part is that, you know, you're looking at something that is, you know, red or blue or green in space, you know, or when you image. Um, real because it's actually real. It's actually there, you know. Um, but, you know, just to sort of rephrase your question, I think it's harder to get adults into astronomy than kids. Yeah, fear. You know, uh, kids, kids are already interested and fascinated with astronomy. Well, with anything really, right? Adults, on the other hand, are the ones that, that are less enthusiastic about, about uh, space. Um, and they sort of need more convincing than the kids, you know, um, and that's something I've seen over and over again at the observatory, um, and our work, uh, kids usually know the, you know, the entire, uh, all the planets of the solar system, uh, the moons of some of the planets, um, you know, uh, they would ask interesting questions. They're very engaged in that, in that respect. Um, but it's the adults that are sort of um, not interested or, or, or don't fully grasp sort of the, the fascination with, the, with, the, with space. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a fair point. You know, I think kids are born just naturally very curious and they want to know what's going on around them. So absolutely fascinated about, you know, what's out there. Uh, if there are aliens, in fact, you know, uh, living amongst this a little bit far away. Um, <laughs> so Absolutely. The, have you seen any aliens, by the way? Just We're still looking. Know. We're still looking. <laughs> we'll keep everybody posted on that. <laughs> there we go. Because, I mean, you know, some like to say that they, they may be amongst us. So we need to keep our, our eye out and, and, and see if, you know. If you never can, know. Yeah. You can, never know. <laughs> they communicate with us. Um, so on the, on the subjects of space exploration, how do you feel about STEM education paving the way for you know, space and space dreams? So the beautiful thing about space exploration is that um, you can't do space exploration without the help of other um, STEM uh, disciplines. Um, you know, let's take yesterday's uh, announcement on finding um, uh, phosphine on Venus. Um, now, we know that phosphine is a, is a sort of a chemical that is found in Jupiter, for example. It's found on Earth, usually um, as a product of some sort of microbial life form or, or bacteria. Um, but it wasn't expected to be found in... in um, in the atmosphere of Venus. Um, now, it doesn't mean that there's life over there, but it's an interesting discovery. Now, 
astronomers probably did sort of the, the you know, the pointing and, and the data acquisition and all that, but then you would need biologists to sort of um, scrutinize the data further to understand it from a biological point of view, right? Um, but then you have the telescopes or the radio telescopes that were used, um, you would need engineers to build those. Um, uh, whatever it is, mechanical engineer or a civil engineer, if there's a building, etc. So the whole the whole discipline of, of space exploration is sort of the the the, the focal point of every uh, STEM uh, discipline. Um, now, the beautiful thing about space, in my opinion, is that it's the easiest discipline out of out of all the STEM. Uh, disciplines that can attract people to science in general, um, especially young kids. Um, of course, you know, some kids might be interested in looking at cells and, you know, doing chemical uh, sort of experiments and, and, and all that. But space is, um, is a very intriguing and very um, uh, uh, sort of thought-provoking uh, um, discipline, uh, regardless of age, right? And and so, space exploration, I think, would be would be a huge driving force in in getting people interested in sciences in general. Um, and I think that's 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 one of the most important things about space exploration. Yeah, I agree. So here's a big question for you: What mm -hmm. do you think is the biggest question in the universe what is the biggest questions in the universe yeah, what what keeps you up at night like what you know especially when you're when you're looking out there and you're seeing a whole new world right mm -hmm. um what do you still wonder about what, what kind of questions come into your mind and kind of keep you thinking uh, late at night one of the things that, that that i'm curious about is when will we be able to travel um outside the solar system. That's one of the things that really, really interests me. Um, in terms of, you know, the other big question that I get asked a lot is, do you think there are aliens or any life, other life forms? Um, there, I don't have evidence, obviously, but I absolutely believe there are. Um, the, the, you know, we know for a fact there are millions, maybe hundreds of millions of galaxies out there, each with you know, billions of stars with, with planets um, um, orbiting them. Uh, we, know, we know almost for a fact that every star in the Milky Way galaxy has uh, at least a planet or two uh, orbiting around it. And that's just in our Milky Way galaxy, which is not the biggest galaxy out there. Um, uh, so that doesn't really, you know, you know, keep me, I don't wonder as much. But um, but I definitely wonder when we will be able to 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 be sort of an intergalactic uh, species. Nice. And if the the opportunity came your way, would you ever go to space? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. One way ticket, no way back. <laughs> I probably would say yes right now, but when it happens, I'll I'll probably have my doubts. <laughs> yeah. So I have a personal question. Mm -hmm. When you're when you're looking into you know the telescope and gazing out into the stars, 
do you feel big or small? If you know what I mean. Um, I think the best way I can explain how I feel, I feel ridiculously insignificant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's one of the most amazing things. Uh, Carl Sagan, who's, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of Carl Sagan, once said that um, uh, astronomy is a, a, an exercise, a humbling exercise in, 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 the, in the folly of human, humankind. Um, because it really does humble you. Um, you know, uh, when you when you look at uh, an image of the, for example, Andromeda Galaxy, which is 2.5 million light years away, um, and it's the closest uh, galaxy to the Milky Way galaxy, and we know there are hundreds of millions of other galaxies, if not even more. Um, it it really puts things in perspective. Um, it really puts things in perspective. Um, as humbling as, as, as it is, I think it's one of the most ama amazingly relaxing and sort of calming um, ideas I, I ever came across. Yeah, I can only imagine like having a really bad day and then going to the observatory and kind of, you know, looking out and, and realizing that, yeah, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, it happens more yeah. often than not. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, all the time. I assume, I assume so. Sometimes, you know, you just kind of need, need to get that reality check, that perspective in life that, okay, you know, the world does not revolve around me or my problems. And, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's an amazing, it's amazing feeling because, you know, it, I don't know, at least for me, it seems very, very reassuring. Um, you know, um, and then, uh, and yeah, no, I, I just absolutely love it. Nice. So if we were to segue a little bit into your day to day, like how would you describe a typical workday for you right now? So I try to be in the office around nine, nine thirty, Um, and, uh, sort of during the day I focus on the, uh, the family business and my own businesses and um, and that takes up you know most of the the daylight uh, in my day um, and uh, I try my best not to go to the observatory except on the weekends just because if I do go I know I'm staying up I'm staying up all night and I'm, and I won't woke, wake up in time the next uh, the next morning um, but a lot of times in the evenings if um, um, because, like I said, we do we you know the observatory opened up a lot of a lot of other opportunities. Um, I, I I get to uh, sort of get on uh, virtual meetings with people in the U.S. Uh, you know, looking at different ways we can we can get into uh, space uh, uh, investments. And uh, if not, if I don't have anything in the evening, I try to rework old images that uh, that uh, that I took um, and then you know Thursday Friday sometimes Saturday um, I spend them in the, in the observatory nice so it's 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 clear that you know you're definitely making time 
for this and, and you know, your, your hobbies and pursuits? Because sometimes what you find is some individuals like don't necessarily even embrace a hobby, you know, and just yes. think that it's all, it's all work, work, work. And I don't really have time for anything else. So I think you're a prime example of being able to do multiple things. You know, you still have businesses to attend to. You do that during the day, but you also have time for your own kind of intellectual curiosities, your own, um, you know, hobbies and interests. So what would you, or how would you, let me phrase it that way. How would you encourage individuals to take up a hobby or how would, how would they discover a hobby that, you know, they don't necessarily think that they would be interested in? A far smarter man than I am once told me, it's good to know something of everything than know everything of something. And um, and this stuck, stuck in my head. I mean, I think this must have been early 2000. Um, but what this, what this sort of mentality allows you to do is to experiment new things. Because, you know, we, at least with me, I assumed by 30, I'll know exactly what I want to do. That's not always the case because you don't know what life throws at you, right? Um, uh, so it's always good to experiment different different things in, 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 in life. Um, look, I mean, I never thought, for example, I'd be interested in, in music. Um, when I was doing my master's, I took violin lessons. Uh, early in the pandemic, I, I, I did the membership in a piano sort of a teaching uh, app uh, and, I, and I learned a bit. Um, uh, but I wouldn't know if I would be into it or not unless I tried. Um, it's the same thing with, 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 uh, with, uh, with astronomy. Um, I think the two most important things is for people to realize it's okay if you don't know what you want. It's completely normal. We're humans, you know. We're not uh, uh, we're, we're we're not born knowing exactly what we want to do, and that's completely fine. Um, but knowing that, knowing that, you need to also allow yourself to experiment in different in different uh, areas, even if it's not related to your career background, etc. Um, and I think that uh, best case, you find an interesting hobby that you never know what can come out of it. Uh, worst case scenario, you learned something new. You know, you learned something new, a new skill, a new hobby, etc. But more importantly, you learned something new about yourself. Um, and yeah, these 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 would be the two most important things I think people uh, people people have to sort of keep uh, keep in mind. Great. So, as a last question, I usually ask you know uh, my guests this. If you had a STEM mission, or if you were on a STEM mission, what would your STEM mission be or look like? Well, I mean, I guess I guess I'm already on that mission with the with the observatory. Um, what we try to do with the observatory, especially with kids, is to show how interconnected space exploration is with other STEM. Um, uh, disciplines, um, because you know, some people might like astronomy, but they prefer biology. You know, um, and we sort of relate them uh, to uh, to uh, together. Um, and I keep reminding the, the older uh, 
crowd that that that, that we meet with the movie The Martian. Um, the, you know, Matt Damon's character is a botanist. He's not an astronomer. He's he's you know he studied botany. He he knows how to grow food, um, but he's on Mars, and 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 I think that's 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 the most important thing, or at least you know for us it's important and makes it easy that um, this interesting discipline that anybody you know you don't even need any equipment. You just lay down on in a dark spot. And and you see stars. You might see a meteor uh, or or something interesting, um, and that's enough. That's enough to to keep that curiosity uh, going. Um, um, but sort of overall in the mission, I think um, it's important for us in the UAE, but also in the region as well, to embrace science as um, as a way to answer the many questions we have in life. Um, uh, not only uh, in terms of space exploration, but in the various other other sort of questions in, in, in life. And after up to after all, it's you know STEM disciplines at the end of the day that will find a vaccine for 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 COVID nineteen. You know, um, but that comes through sort of a, a cooperative. Uh, 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 structure between the different uh, disciplines of uh, of STEM. I couldn't agree more. You know, I think STEM and STEAM is the future, um, and so I'm a big advocate. And I'm sure, you know, obviously the name of the uh, podcast is STEMcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and also, and also, we will need a lot of STEM once we go to Mars and other other planets. Here, here. Uh, yeah, with that, I think it's been a phenomenal. Uh, conversation thus far. How can our listeners reach out to you directly? Uh, you can visit our website at sadimastronomy.ae or um, we're on um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well. Um, you know, uh, either through the website you can email us directly or through the one of the, one of the social media platforms and we try to get, get back to any of their questions as soon as uh, possible. So, God willing, the next time I'm in the UAE, when things kind of settle down with COVID, I'm definitely uh, planning a trip over. So just let me know, you know, what would be the best time. And this is something that I, I definitely want to do, and it's on my bucket list. So we, we need to take it off. So you're going to help me do that. <laughs> I would most definitely would be delighted. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for making the time today. Lovely uh, having. Thank you very much. I really, really enjoyed it. And um, as we say, ad astra to the stars. Onwards and upwards. Onwards and upwards. That's all for this week's episode. I'd like to remind you that the STEMcast is a short chat on anything and everything STEM, offering on-the-go insights into current trends and compelling STEM stories that empower and inspire. If you've been inspired by this episode, be sure to share it with your friends and network. And of course, if you have anyone in mind that you'd like us to speak to, make sure to reach out to us. Until next week, take care.